a stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. We're thrilled to have back on the program today Ian Johnson. He's a senior fellow for China Studies on the Council on Foreign Relations and has a great piece talking about something that I think is a real critical element in terms of Trade versus subs. We've heard a lot about uh, submarines of late, uh, especially nuclear-powered ones with Australia. And uh, that obviously has impacted a few of our allies around the world, including the French, who uh, may still be slightly offended. Uh, And it's also impacting trade. And so he's here to help us break it all down. Ian uh, is joining us from Berlin. Thanks for making time for us today. My pleasure. Great to be on the show again. Uh, so let's dive into it. We have uh, covered quite a bit this uh, really headline-grabbing announcement out of the, the United States and the United Kingdom and Australia making this nuclear sub-deal. Uh, and there's obviously ramifications to that. You've had a chance to dive in deep into this. Uh, what is it really all about, and what are the things that we're not really talking about that maybe we should be? Well, I think it's all about, of course, uh, finding some way – I hate to use the word contain – but to set some boundaries for China as it expands its power, its hard power in the region. China's building aircraft carriers. It's already got two, uh, one fully operational, another one that's almost there. And they're building a third one by all accounts. And it wouldn't surprise me if they go further. And while that's all sort of still uh, not as many as the U.S., of course, but considering it's all focused in this one area, the in East Asia and the Pacific, it's a, a pretty significant force that they're building up. Aircraft carriers just being part of it, missiles, um, submarines, etc. So the U.S. has started already under Obama to pivot toward Asia, trying to get out of the um, quagmires or what have you in uh, the Middle East and other places. But we're looking for allies and friends, and the Australians are also concerned about China and shipping lanes and all that sort of that stuff. So the U.S. has gone ahead and along with the U.K. is selling them the technology to build 12 nuclear submarines. So I think it's a, it's about keeping China in check and finding allies to help us do that. Yeah, and I think the, the balance point to me is such an interesting one because – uh, it really is kind of an allies and alliances. We need a strategic alliance in terms of economy uh, and trade with China, uh, and yet we've also got these competing forces. Uh, and as you mentioned, their military buildup, uh, some of the things happening uh, with Taiwan uh, and other places, uh, really does create a, a delicate and difficult balance. It really does. And I think wars over the centuries and throughout history have often started because of miscalculations, because one side thought the other side wouldn't fight or wouldn't put up a fight or something like that. And it's potentially concerning that China might get that message. And so it's probably, you know, it's important for countries, allied countries, I don't want to say Western countries, because this includes other countries like Japan and South Korea, etc., that are uh, that share similar values to, to say to China, no, we, we are serious about defending uh, ourselves and, and open shipping lanes and, and, and so on and so forth. So that way it could help 
to you, perhaps just make things clear to China that the U.S. is serious. Mm. I think uh, that's the thinking behind it, at least. Yeah. I want to dig a little deeper there because you said something really significant uh, in that most wars are begun uh, because of miscalculations. Tell us a little bit more about that. I think that's a, a really important concept for us, for us to be thinking about as we watch these things unfold, but also as we start to evaluate how the administration is doing, how we're doing in terms of our, our allies, and what else we might be miscalculating, whether that's towards China or whether that's towards our, our friends and allies. Yeah, I mean, I think if you, if you, for all the history buffs out there, most people probably know this book by Barbara Tuckman on, called The Guns of August, which is how uh, World War One started. And, and it was sort of a series of decisions that were avoidable, but somehow just there was this dynamic where one thing led to another and there was misapprehensions and the Germans overestimating their power, et cetera, et cetera. And then before you know it, there's this terrible war that started. And in the case of China, um, we don't really know what kind of information Xi Jinping gets. We don't know whether he's being told things by the People's Liberation Army that, look, uh, America is in decline, there's all kinds of troubles, look at the difficulty in pulling out of Afghanistan, et cetera, et cetera. Meanwhile, Taiwan is getting, uh, perhaps, for, for example, might try to declare independence. This is the island off off China that China claims as its own. Um, let's attack now, you know, and, and that and that could be a, have a terrible consequence and lead to some sort of war that we don't want to think about. And so there's those kinds of, of, of issues that I think everybody has to to be wary of, um, of trying to keep signaling as clear as possible and uh, not be fuzzy about stuff. Yeah, I think that clarity rather than confusion is uh, is a big part of the equation there when it comes to all of our our foreign interaction and and perhaps uh, Ian, you can you can help us as well. Uh, again, the dealing with China, for example, uh, we're gonna obviously have to go head to head with them on a host of things from uh, human rights to intellectual property rights, and and that list goes on and on and on. And yet they're also a very important uh, ally or uh, alliance when it comes to dealing with places like South Korea. Uh, how do we navigate all of that amidst submarines and, and what's happening uh, there, uh, the economy, and then kind of the, the broader geopolitical space? Yeah, the Europeans issued a position paper on China a couple of years ago that's been largely, or the idea of it, uh, the key elements have been adopted to some degree by the Biden administration, and that's to think of China in three ways. And that uh, one way is it is a, a potential ally in things like climate change. We all have an interest in, in trying to limit that, um, and also including China, because it's got a lot of cities on the coasts and stuff like that. Um, we're competitors when it comes to economics and trade and uh, we are often fighting for the same markets, etc. But we are also at times potentially rivals because we have fundamentally different systems. Mm -hmm. uh, Western and other countries, Japan, South Korea, etc., have open societies. Uh, China does not. has a closed society. It's fundamentally anti-democratic. And that, that's something you can't reconcile. But it doesn't mean we have to be enemies across the board. It just means on different issues, we're going to probably treat China differently. So in terms of trade, for example... We're competitors, um, and, and, and we have to be able to deal with China with its uh, rising technology prowess and ability to compete with us. Mm. And then final question for you. Um, as you look at 
what is happening there. What what is the the ultimate risk uh, of a lot of these recent actions? Again, especially relating to Australia and submarines. What's what's the ultimate risk there? Is it the the risk of the miscalculation, or are there more nuances there that we should be following and watching as well? Well, one thing that I tried to make in this piece, one point I tried to make was that it's all very well to focus on the military side of things, but we also have to look at the trade side. And there's a big trade pact that was started about a decade ago. It was uh, People were talking about it in the Bush administration, the Obama administration, and then somehow around 2016, um, both President Trump and uh, Hillary Clinton opposed this trade deal, TPP, uh, that did not entirely die. The United States just didn't enter it. The other countries in the Pacific Rim region entered into this trade pact, and now China wants to join it. And this trade pact was kind of meant to rein in China also, to impose or to push Western standards for for labor and, and things like that. Um, and I think it's a it's a real pity if we let China take over the trade realm while we focus solely on military. We need to be active there too. Maybe try to get back into this trade pact or revive it in some way, and not be solely focused on the military, the hard power side of things. Mm, I think that's such an important balance there, and obviously uh, Australia is is running its own risk uh, gamut there as well in terms of. Uh, the alliance with the U.S. and then also trying to kind of have the best of both worlds in terms of that connection with China economically as well. Uh, And I think that's super uh, insightful in terms of not just focusing on the military might component, but the economic battles uh, are just as real and just as important. Uh, Great stuff as always. Ian Johnson uh, joining us from Berlin, Senior Fellow for China Studies uh, from the Council on Foreign Relations. Uh, Ian, thanks so much for joining us today. It's my pleasure. Great talking to you. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.